In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. During the season of Epiphany, we focus on the theme of revelation, the ways Christ is revealed. We look at biblical stories, and we try to figure out what those stories mean for us in, in the ways we come to know Christ. We started with the story of the Magi being led to Christ by a star, and that led us to consider what, what are our stars, what event or series of events in our lives led us to Christ. Last week we had the baptism of Jesus, in which Jesus was revealed to be the Son of God, and it provided a, a framework for understanding our own baptisms, how Jesus is revealed to us in our baptisms when we're, uh, we're baptized into him and we become children of God by grace. In today's gospel, Jesus turns water into wine and provides a meditation on how Jesus also changes us. It appears as we read the gospel story that Mary, the mother of Jesus, had some role in the wedding. She seemed concerned about the about the absence of wine and approached Jesus. Uh, perhaps these were close friends. She was helping with the feast. Anyway, she felt some sort of anxiety about uh, the, the running out of wine. And Jesus, we should make a note about this initial comment about Jesus saying, my hour has not yet come, which is a little bit cryptic. But it has a particular meaning in John's gospel. Uh, later on, Jesus will say, uh, or John will say in chapter 13, quote, now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, and later on, when he, from there, he, when he prays in John 17, Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may also glorify you. So the symbolic meaning in John's Gospel is that this wedding is not the place for Jesus to act in that definitive way. It's not his time. His time will come later on. And then when he acts on the cross, he will indeed produce wine, the kind of wine we share in every week in the Eucharist. But he was willing, at least, to provide for the practical needs of this particular wedding feast. And we can see a pattern to the miracle. Mary told the servants, do whatever he says to do. Jesus gave a commandment to the servants then, fill the water pots with water. And we are told the servants did exactly what Jesus told them to do, and he filled the water pots with water. And the result was that water was turned into wine. It, it only occurred to me, really, after many years of reading this, what, that when this uh, master of the feast takes it to the bridegroom and, and says, uh, you know, you, you've most people serve the good wine first. It's really a backhanded slap at him. You've been serving us bad wine this whole night, and now you only bring out the good stuff now. But anyway, we have the miracle taking place through the command to do whatever Jesus says to do, the obedience of the servants, with the result that water is changed into wine. And this reflects, this pattern reflects the way that God creates in Genesis. He speaks. And when he speaks, things, things happen. In the beginning, Genesis tells us the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And then God spoke. He said, let there be light. And then immediately there was light. 
in all of the creative acts in Genesis with the result of God speaking, saying something, and then it happening. And the pattern of, of Genesis, I think, implied that God speaks, and the Spirit then works to accomplish what the Word has commanded. <clears throat> Up until Genesis chapter 3, which tells us about the first sin, everything in the creation over which God spoke his word obeyed. But God created human beings with a will. And so in Genesis 3, we have the first instance where God said something and the creation responded by saying, no, we won't do that. God had said, of every tree you may eat except this particular tree. And human beings were the first to say no. And we should note what happens in Genesis because it relates to the creative miracle of the gospel. As the creation obeyed God's word, out of the chaos, God's word brought order and beauty. In Genesis 3, when the first humans disobeyed God's word, there's a reversal of this creative process. The order and beauty begins to send back into chaos, and that's what's recorded in Genesis chapters 4 and 5 and up until the time of the flood. The human no to God resulted from a lack of faith, of trust in God, a lack of belief in God. The first humans were tempted by the tempter's voice and by their own wandering desire to disobey. And we disobey for the same reasons. We are, hear God's commandments, we are afraid to obey in that radical way because we're afraid that maybe if we do exactly what God says, we aren't going to get what we need or what we want. And so we make compromises. This is why faith is such a central theme in the New Testament. We are saved by faith, by putting our trust in Jesus because we fell through doubt and we continue to fall when we doubt God and his commandments and his goodness. And this is why faith is so integrally tied to obedience. We show our faith or trust in God by doing what he tells us to do. Mary said to the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. When they obeyed, when they did exactly what he told them to do, the result was this miracle, this change of water into wine. Most of us would like to see change in our lives. We get stuck in patterns of thought and behavior. We would like to experience something new. Jesus changed water into wine by a combination of divine power working through human obedience, through human faith. And Jesus changes us in the same way. When we hear his word, we hear the word that comes from us, in the general way we hear the commandments, and also in the specific way that God calls us to do things in life of prayer. When we respond with faith and obedience, when we do what he tells us to do, God's power is manifested in our lives. We experience change. We are kept from this change by our doubts, by our fear, and by the tempter's voice. Can we really trust God? Can we really believe if we do everything he tells us to do, that it's going to work out okay for us? The funny thing is that when we disbelieve and doubt, 
This is precisely becomes the source of our frustrations. We look at the areas of life where we are most unhappy with our condition. It is generally the area of our life that is least submitted to the will of God. Can we trust? Can we trust that if we, if we do what God says, he, he will take care of us? We trust that God is good. So this is, I think, the application of this gospel for us to think about what area in our life would we like to see change? How would we like God's power to be present in some area of our life in a way that it's not present now? We can ask ourselves, are we doing what Jesus tells us to do in that area of life? So the call of the gospel to, to experience this kind of manifestation of God's power and presence is, is to consider what new areas of life we might obey in new ways. How can we hear God's word in a new way and do what he says to do so as to experience this power and this change that God's power, that God's, uh, Jesus brings in us when we respond to his word with faith and obedience. St. John tells us the changing of water into wine was the beginning of signs that Jesus did and he manifested forth his glory. In a similar way, when we hear God's word and respond with faith and obedience, and God's power is manifested in us, we become signs. God's power manifested in our life becomes a sign, both a sign for us to see Christ in a new way in our own lives, and a sign for others. We become witnesses to the power of God that we can draw other people to faith as well. So I think this is what our, our gospel tells us. Jesus changes water into wine through the obedience of the servants. He changes us into his image through our obedience to his word. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.